Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And joining me today is another pleb who was not even on Bitcoin Twitter. I'm going to read you the email that she sent me. Hi, Daniel. I've been listening to Once Bitten for a while now. Great podcast. Thank you. Have thought of reaching out a couple of times, but I'm not on Twitter. Listening to your recent interview with Timothy Allen was the final nudge I needed. So many things in common. Alternative education, nomadic lifestyle, self-styled learning, work exchanges, house sits, and of course, Bitcoin. I live off-grid on a small remote island in a tiny home that I built. Thought it might just be a sabbatical, but years later, I'm still here. So as you can see, Leslie was compelled to reach out and come on and share some of her experiences and her stories and start connecting with the Bitcoin community because she's kind of lonely out there all alone, as you will find out. She did go and make herself a Twitter account after this, and I urge you to go and find her, seek her out and connect. Before we start the interview, I want to say huge thanks to Leslie for coming on. And I want to say thank you to everybody that's listening. Go check out my book, Choose Life, and make sure you hit up the show sponsors, coinfloor.co.uk, swanbitcoin.com, relay.ch. That is all forward slash bitten. They will help you start stacking your sats. And when you've got your sats, get them off the exchanges. Take them off these apps that you're using. Any services that you're using, please take them off. Store them on a Bitbox 02 hardware wallet, Bitcoin only edition shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten go check out the website once bitten once dash bitten.com enjoy this one okay we are recording leslie okay very very nice to meet you how are you nice to meet you good to see you and is good that to... lauren this yes. is bonjour comment ça va bien toi oh génial enchanté de rencontrer <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you guys are in France, so I thought I'd throw a little in. You, you, where did you learn your French? Uh, in, in Canada. I'm Canadian. But I did travel in Europe, and I worked at an international school, the Toronto French School. And so it was great. Wow. Yeah. I go. went to university. And uh, actually, you know what? It kind of, I was thinking about this. When I first went to university, I, I loved French. So I threw myself into studying the language and I know you're studying a bit now. And I, at the beginning, I felt like I understood about 50% of what they were saying in the class. And then by little by little, you understand more. And I kind of feel like it's kind of like Bitcoin. At the beginning, you hear all these words, all these things, you don't understand it. And you just keep throwing yourself in and little by little, you know, you figure it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, le, le trou de lapin is, uh, is very, very, very deep. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, Lauren, you are going to ask the first question, as is customary. So, um, what what is it you would like to know? Um. So, my question is, why did you reach out to my dad? Yeah. Well, I would say like partly because I think it's good to get out of your comfort zone. This is not something I would normally do, but mm. I kind of have been listening to your dad for a while, and I listened to a podcast he did with Tim Allen, where he was talking more about lifestyle. And I was like, okay, this guy has so much in common with me. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. I'm gonna reach out and we're gonna chat. Partly because I live on this isolated island in Canada with like 50 people. I have nobody to talk to Bitcoin about. And I thought to hell with that, just call, you know, do it. And you found me via the the unusual route of of our blog you didn't come through twitter or uh, the usual well channels. no i'm not so- i i no i probably did find you on twitter i'm mm-hmm. not personally on twitter but i've been checking it out and i've no i found you through your podcast you're you're once bitten oh okay and listened to several of those and then i saw you posted that you did one with tim allen and i was like all right well i'll listen to this you know the weird thing about podcasts are like you're listening to these people in your living room. You feel like you're starting to get to know them. It's there's kind of this weird intimacy, you know? So I'm like, well, I'll listen to see, you know, about this lifestyle and whatever. And then I just thought, yeah, there's just so many things uh, that I'm interested in that you're interested in. And then I did look at your blog. Cause I was like, well, check this guy out a little bit more. You know, I'm older. I'm a bit like not maybe the jump on the internet and just reach out to people type of person. Um, and then the, like, the last nudge was like, okay, where do you go in Canada? Oh, you went to Bowen Island. I'm like, okay, well, that's a sign. I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to just do it. <laughs> is, is that where you are or you're, you're close? No, by? I'm not. But my, I spent a lot of time there. Yeah. yeah it's a beautiful I'm, spot. I'm on the West, isn't it? I know. Yeah. yeah. A great little Island. And uh, yeah, we had a great home swap there. Uh, beautiful, beautiful kind of log cabin overlooking the um, ocean. It was amazing. I don't remember yeah. that. I'll show you some pictures. You were very young, but uh, we we had uh, the little swimming pool, and um, it was just a tiny little island. We used to have to take the ferry to that's uh, right across um, from, from the mainland. I'll show you pictures <laughs> on the blog, but uh, you, you'll remember when you see the pictures. We roasted marshmallows. We did all kinds of cool stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'll show you. I'll show you after this. Did you have any more questions for Leslie? Uh, yeah, I think I got two, and some of them are just like, one of them is just like, um, mm-hmm. when you feel like grown-up questions, but um, okay. okay, so this one isn't, but um, what do you do? Well, I'm a lifestyler, so everything I do in my life kind of revolves around the kind of life I want to create, which kind of resonates with the title of your dad's book. For most of my life, and done massage, but I've been a teacher of other things, languages, uh, skiing. Um, and then I've worked in various you know, capacities. Yeah, but 30 years as a yoga teacher. Oh, okay. Before wow. it was trendy. 30 Before it was years. Trendy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you learn in India? I did study in India among other places, yeah. Wow, nice. Mm-hmm. What yeah. else do you have, Lauren? Yeah. Uh, so my se- uh, my third question is, how do you feel that there's not that much women on the space? 
Well, you know, you don't seem to hear that many or see. I mean, there are some really great, interesting ones. Like, I mean, Lynn Alden will just blow your mind listening to her. Um, but there aren't that many. And like, I guess historically, your dad's had a few. I've listened to a couple of ones with women, but not as many. Certainly not as many on Twitter, maybe. I don't know. I don't really know that world. But I just thought, you know, generally women aren't necessarily in the world of as much of finance and philosophy and kind of um, tech. Not that I'm a tech person at all, but it seems like Bitcoin is kind of a like a triangle of those things coming together. How do you so feel maybe, about being... So maybe uh, other women might appreciate hearing women talk on it. Yeah. Not that it's a woman's issue. Yeah. Because it's not. No. But I think it's... Um, hold on. Let me find my words. I have forgot the words in English. Oh, yeah? You can say it in French Uh, oh yeah, um, I think it's kind of sad because the women don't want to show what, like, like, um, like, I don't know how to explain it. They, that uh, more women um, aren't, aren't interested in Bitcoin? Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? the women who are in Bitcoin, but like, they don't want to... They don't want to share? That maybe they're too shy to come on podcasts? Yeah, Is that exactly. the kind of thing you're trying to say? And not like kind of sad, but like... Not sad, shy. Yes. Like, no. No? I don't know how to explain. Okay. But, you know, goodness. Well, I've got another woman coming on the show tomorrow. And uh, another one booked in about a week's time. So there's more and more. Mm. And we spoke with Eileen yesterday, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. So they're there, they're there. They're starting to get used to it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and everybody will. It doesn't matter um, who it is. Everybody will get uh, drawn into Bitcoin. You think? Oh, yeah. Everybody, one way or another, right? Inadvertently. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> one person at a time. So do you have any more questions? Uh, no. Okay. I'll leave the rest to you. All right, cool. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye. Nice to meet you, Lauren. Doasi. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Leslie. Yeah, let's let's wind it back because you, you sent me a, a, a lovely email via via the blog where um you, you found uh, the email address to reach out. And you you felt compelled after listening to to that interview with with Tim. I've actually had Tim on my show as well. Uh, okay. A little while ago, but he's starting out his own podcast. So for anybody that's listening, that's Timothy Allen, the Timothy Allen Show, professional photographer, and uh, he was the the lead photographer behind the the Human Planet series. If you've watched Human Planet, uh, he was he was you know running that uh, the photography side of that of that project. An amazing stories, an amazing person, and yeah, we we got into some rabbit holes, which obviously sparked your interest and there you go you found yourself tapping out an email to myself and saying yeah. you'd love to come on as a female bitcoiner and represent your your kind of generation uh, so 
why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself and, and introduce us to, to who you are? Because um, we obviously we, we wouldn't have heard of you before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm definitely not uh, out there. I'm kind of a more of a reclusive person. <laughs> um, well, you know, I think, uh, like I said, I've kind of been the type of person that's my whole life has been around lifestyle choices. And so instead of thinking of like, well, you know, where do I want to go study? It's like, well, what activities can I do there? You know, like when I chose my university, I wanted to be immersed in French, but I wanted to go skiing, but I wanted to cook my own food. So instead of like reviewing the campus and the profs, it was like, oh, well, there's an opportunity to do a work exchange here and, uh, you know, teach and study and ski. And, and so I've always put quality of life and quality of relationship and um, those things first at the forefront, more so perhaps than money, running after money. I grew up in a big city, I grew up in Toronto, but uh, always felt like I, I gotta get out of here, what am I doing here? And then I moved to BC and I was like, okay, this is the province where people are focused on lifestyle, you know? So, uh, like I said, I had my own, I, I guess you could call it business. I wouldn't even think of it as that, but I taught yoga for many years, I had a studio in my home, lived in the mountains. And then uh, 2011, I decided to take a sabbatical and move to my little tiny home that I built on this isolated island in the West Coast of BC. It's off grid. It's a chop wood, carry water. Uh, lifestyle. And um, that allowed me the freedom to sort of, again, do even more traveling and explore how I could be of service. I did some work exchanges, took me to Belize, to Mexico, to California, studying in in India, all these things. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm I'm a curious, open-minded person that likes adventure and travel. All right. I'm going to pull on some of these little, these little stories, these little carrots that you're dangling. Um, <laughs> you're living off-grid on a tiny island inhabited by about 50 people in a house you've built yep. by yourself. You chop your own wood and you fetch your own water. I do. Yeah. Composting <laughs> toilet. No running water. I know. I'm definitely well, like is, in the minority. And the fact that I'm citadel. like... I know it kind of is right when I hear you guys talk about sovereignty and Citadel and it's like boat access only. Yeah, I'm kind of doing it. <laughs> and you're a Bitcoiner. Uh, so... Well, I don't know whether I'm a hardcore Bitcoiner. I'm sure as hell curious about it. I got a million questions. It's fascinating. And I think, you know, like anything, when you kind of get into it, I don't know, this seems to be something that you get kind of obsessed with. Mm-hmm. At least, at least yes. I've been obsessed with that at periods. Yes. Yeah. I'd like certainly. to be more of a, a astute Bitcoiner, but the, the technological curve is challenging, you know? Okay. So <laughs> let's go back to when you first decided that you wanted to go off grid. What was, what was going through your mind there? Well... I, you know, I'd already had this place off grid. It was like my cottage, you know, and um, 
well, it was kind of a few, it was a few things that happened. I had a different place on this island and then I had a, you know, several things happened that my life changed completely. You know, marriage ending, blah, 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 house flooding, you know. And so I got this opportunity to get a new place, uh, a new bare land. And it felt like kind of the, just the reinvention of myself that I needed at that time in my life. So again, you know, I took the challenge of like, okay, I'm going to design a tiny home and build it, even though I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, so when I did that, it was kind of, you know, it's almost an experience I think everybody should have once in their life, like to build your own shack, build your own building. Um, and so once I did that, and the nature of this island is off grid already, so there's no power here, you have to generate your own power, either with a generator or solar system. Um, I just started spending more and more time and loving it. And then I realized one day I was spending about half the year here because I got work opportunities here uh, in the summer. And then I kind of did the math and I was like, okay, the amount of money I'm spending working to keep my other place in the mountains going, I could just let go of all that and come here and take a sabbatical and uh, reevaluate my life and have even more freedom. So, so I did that not knowing what was going to come next. And that was, well, 2011. That turned into sort of just a big lifestyle change inadvertently. I don't know whether that answered your question. Well, no, th th this, this is great. And I'm about to make the biggest faux pas. Uh, a gentleman should never ask this question, but what, what age were it. you, what age were you when you were making these decisions? Well, I'm, you know, the funny thing is I, half the time, I never even remember how old I am, but I, I'm, I've been <laughs> focused on it now because of this age-based vaccination issue in Canada. Um, I'm 59 right now. So I don't know. I, you do the math, 2011. Right. 55, that's it, 55. I thought I wanted to retire, but be semi-retired at 55. I think that was, no, it was before that. It was 50. Right. Because it's been 10 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. 50. I thought I thought, yeah, hit 50 and was like, OK. See what Man, I can do about semi-retiring or some people. Are, or, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say some people might call that a midlife crisis, but that's when you go out and buy a Porsche and, you know, do some other crazy fiat things like that. But you went off. Yeah, grade, built your <laughs> I know I did kind of the opposite of that. Um, I don't, I don't think it was a midlife crisis. It was just a slow continuation of my lifestyle. And little by little, um, it just naturally flowed here, you know? And, and it was really interesting on one level because, you know, I'd spent years living in the mountains. And that was like, you know, hardcore, amazing, top quality skiing and, you know, teaching there and a very recreational environment with like mountain biking and paragliding and like just everything that people want to do hiking and then moving to the ocean is like it's really a different lifestyle you know like my life now is ruled by the tides the winds the um the environment in a different way um you know, talking about going with the flow, like I've really learned to do that even more now. So I kind of feel like when you're listening to the currents of life and you just, you know, you're not rudderless, you have a rudder, you're steering, but you're also following like the nudges that you're getting and the, 
the intuition and the inclinations that you have. Well, so it's not like you were even escaping the city. You know, you, you'd no, already I'd been ar- I'd already in escaped the city. I'd blown the city off when I was 30. And were you working in the city? Did, did you have like the, the classic corporate nine to five job as well? I've never point? done that. I've never done that. I've worked six time, six months full time in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> so I like, you know, your book is choose life. I'm like, I chose life. <laughs> right. <laughs> For yeah. Sure. No, I've, I've worked part time. You know, I'm a bit of a minimalist. I don't blow cash on unnecessary things. And I create opportunities to do what I want. Um, through, you know, like the work exchange, the house swap, the, the different things. Um, yeah, I, I don't seem to acquire tons of material possessions because I'm more interested in experiences. So, you know, but I mean, I, you know, I live in a good country and I, you know, I was fortunate to, you know, like be where I am. And I, you know, I had support from my parents like growing up and um, when my mom passed away, I inherited a little bit of money from her. So it's not like I've just, you know, done everything completely difficultly myself, my whole life, you know, it's a balance, right? Yeah, for sure. So how do you power your, yourself there? If, um, you, you, you're clearly, yeah. we're talking, you're on a, yeah, a, I'm actually, at my, lap- I'm at my neighbor's house because I don't have <laughs> okay. Wi-Fi at home. And I was concerned our zoom connection would be shit on my, on my data. So, um, but yeah, I powered up the laptop and the iPad this morning. I wasn't sure which one would work cause I don't have the latest zoom program, but fortunately we were, we got going here on this iPad. Um, anyway, got a solar system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the solar takes care of all of my needs. But again, I'm not running a lot of things. I'm not running hair dryers and, you know, washing machines. So all washing is done by hand? Well, you know, during the pandemic, yeah, I have been hand washing a lot. But my daughter lives close by. So it's a boat ride away and a half an hour car ride. So I'll often like take my laundry over to her house. It's kind of like the res- the reverse, you know, usually the teenager's going home yeah. to the mom and I'm like the mom that's going home to my 20 something, 25, 27 year old daughter and like showing up with my laundry, <laughs> but that's okay. I help her out too in many ways. So how on earth did you come to, to finding Bitcoin? What, what, I mean, you're, you're clearly predisposed to Bitcoin. You know, I know, right? Just, alternative yeah. thinker, was yes. into things a little bit before they were trendy, like yoga and vegetarian and alternative organic foods. And then, so yeah, Bitcoin. So I got this email from um, one of the investment newsletters that I, I follow, and they were mentioning Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, blockchain, and, and this big evolution. You got to check this out. And I was kind of like, hmm, okay, I'll listen to the free talk on it. And they were promoting, you know, certain stocks that they thought were going to be um, good um, in that environment. But somehow I just got sort of like, what the hell is this Bitcoin thing? You know, I'd heard about it on the radio and, and it always seemed to be somehow tied up with something kind of scammy and weird and techy. And I thought, well, you know, I, I'll just start digging in a little bit and trying to research this for myself. And then I just got into it and it was, it was 2017. 
So the price was going up. I, the first time I looked at it, I think it was eight grand. And then I kept studying it. I studied it for like six months before I thought I'm not, I'm not going to get involved until I feel like I know enough about this. So while I'm studying about it, the price is like peaking. And I'm like, this is insane, man. Like this has gone from eight grand to 20 grand in like such a short period of time. I'm like, well, there's no way I'm buying this right now. Like I got to wait, you know, I'll wait till this crashes and then I'll like put my big toe in the water. So I did. But in the meantime, I kind of, at least I learned enough to know about like wallets and storage and kind of how not to get too, um, you know, scammed and, um, yeah, so I did, I did sort of what I felt was the right thing to do, you know, buy a small amount and put it on a hardware wallet. And then I just, I listened to a lot of Andreas, you know, I listened to his like three hour talk that he gave the Canadian Senate and different people, you know, Trace Mayer and all, all these different people. I listened to one, but I was kind of thirsty to get more information. And I remember one of my the earliest, um, things Preston did a talk with a guy like long time ago but it was like there was only one thing on it there wasn't that much on it you know you had to really search and then I just kind of forgot about it and just left it and then I'd hear like it was a bit intimidating because like one of the guys I would listen to was you know a lot of it was like a space of a lot of young people that were super techy and at the time it was like um Roger Ver, you know, promoting Bitcoin cash, not really understanding like, okay, well, what about this? What about this? And, and I just thought, well, you know, I'll just buy a little and wait and see. Um, but I did find it like very challenging just in terms of every time I'd listen to another Andreas talk, it'd be like some more complicated thing of like, you know, lightning segwit multi you know, mempool. I'm just like, oh my God, what is all this stuff? <laughs> um, so yeah, then, then this year, uh, you know, number starts going up, start paying a little bit more attention. By then it's like, okay, we've got Bitcoin ETFs in Canada. Um, and then I think it was on a, a website that linked to something about Lynn Alden and dividend stocks. And then I started, I kind of got back into it. And then I was like, oh, all of a sudden I'm listening to Lynn Alden, Preston, Peter, you. And I'm just like, holy crap, this world has changed since I kind of <laughs> took a break from listening, you know? Yeah, those days in 2017, it was difficult to, to find. I, I remember Andreas, yeah. I would just download whatever he I could find, Trace Mayer. There's another mm -hmm. guy I completely forgot about this guy, but there's a guy called Jeff Berwick um, who would do uh, uh, the, Dollar the Dollar Vigilante uh, YouTube mm -hmm. channel, but he wasn't purely Bitcoin. He would like uh, have all these other different people on. And unfortunately, I got pulled in a few different directions um, by listening to a few of those people, which was a shame. Um, but yeah. yeah, listening to Trace, uh, yeah, that, that, that's such a shame what what happened what went down there um but i don't was... know i don't know the details of what went down but i gather something did <laughs> <laughs> he started his own coin um oh he and, did uh, okay yeah uh, okay. Uh, so that that's what went down with that um you know the other guy that was influential for me in understanding money 
in the history of currency was Mike Maloney, who is he's a gold guy, gold and silver guy. But, he, you know, he's into Bitcoin as well to a certain degree. And his book, Investing in Precious Metals, kind of gives you a history of currency and the and the evolution of currency. I found that fascinating. Um, I think I've watched one of his YouTube things. Does he's he... got a whole, he's got a YouTube series called The Hidden Secrets of Money. Right. That's what I'm it's saying. Quite an, it's quite informative. I mean, it's really like, you know, it's fancily done and everything. Obviously, he's promoting his business, which is to sell gold. But at the same time, I feel that he has a, an interest in educating people, you know. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's the other thing is like, you know, the whole education piece, we never talked about that, but I went to an alternative school and I'm super into, you know, people educating themselves in their own way and making their own decisions. Okay. Now we so, can't just leave that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can come back to it. I don't know. <laughs> well, this is, this is the thing. I'm sure you'll, you'll agree with me. It's, um, there's so like the, the, these, these two issues are so parallel and it, it comes back to self-sovereignty again. You know, mm -hmm. if you want to, if you want to take control of your money, if you want to separate money from state, which is the, a great meme in the Bitcoin space. Yeah. It's only naturally you're going to get to a point where you're going to want to separate education from state, because if you don't trust the state with your money, there's no way in the world you're going to trust just the state with your child's education, you know, sending mm -hmm. a kid, to school from the age of three to 24 to be just force fed, whatever the state decide that they need to know is nonsensical. It doesn't I make know. It, it's it, so, but you were ahead of the game on this. I'm sure did, um, how did you fall into that way of thinking? Because I, did, we, did you go to alternative school yourself or were you? Yes, I did. Right? Yeah. I was wow. in a regular high school in Toronto and I was sort of, it was big. And I'm, again, I'm not really a crowd person. So I hated it. And, you know, I did okay. But I, I just was like, I got to get out of here. I feel like I'm wasting my time. You know, like, I don't know, it was just not into it. And it took me two years to convince my parents to let me go to an alternative school. And they finally did. I think they were worried I was just going to smoke pot and sort of screw off even more. But it was great. I was just like, all of a sudden focused because you would only go to class once a week for each subject. You'd do three hours. So it was kind of like university. It was independent study. It was, that's what it was called, the Alternative Independent Study Program. And um, it freed me up. I had Fridays off. I would go up north. I, I was a ski patroller when I was 17. You know, I just did. I took what I wanted to. I got into the subjects I wanted to. We had real artists who would come and teach us our, our French language classes. We'd have five people in them. We'd just sit around and talk. You know, I mean, we, we studied grammar and, you know, linguistics and, and literature as well. Um, and that's probably where I got into some of the existentialist philosophy, you know, reading L'Etranger by Albert Camus. And it was just a place where free thought was encouraged. And um, it, I guess that's, I don't know, I probably, you know, it's funny. One of those things is a chicken or the egg, you know, were you kind of that person already or did that? you know, education influence you to go further in that direction. Um, but yeah, I think people just having self-directed learning and choosing what they're interested in studying and pursuing, 
um, you know, their life and their interests instead of getting you know, force fed and pigeonholed into things. And that was actually um, where I first started studying yoga. It was part of my alternative school. It was our gym program. We got to do yoga instead of like what I felt like were two stupid team sports that I hated, you know? And this, if I'm getting my math right, correct me if I'm wrong. This is around mid seventies, right? Mid to late seventies. Um, yeah, it probably a, yeah. Late 70, early eight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 79. So, I think I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. Late 70s. Right. So people think now like this whole self-directed education movement is brand new and it's all like bells and whistles and oh my goodness <laughs> this is but this has been going on for for like you know you know you know what's new fucking school is new yeah right you know yeah that is new that this whole idea that we can be put together in one institution and we're going to learn absolutely whatever we need to set us up for life that you know that's new because you strip that out this whole whatever, how long this experiment has been, 130 years of, of school, in air mm-hmm. quotes, mm-hmm. you know, on, a, on, the, on the timeline of human history, it's just oh, a blot on the landscape. So self-directed totally. education is as old as the hills. Absolutely. And I think people used to choose mentors and have apprenticeship programs and work with people that they, you know, respected and were interested in in their, their communities. Obviously, you know, a long, long time ago, people maybe weren't as free to travel as much and learn in that way, like the world schooling thing. But, you know, I think people had a metier, they had an interest, they would pursue it. And then with the university, I don't know, I had friends whose parents literally like, you know, kind of forced them to pick a profession. And, and, you know, when my daughter, she was taking this course called personal planning, and she was around 17. And, and I thought, oh, cool, personal planning. Like, sounds like a course where you kind of organize your life and, you know, learn how to, I don't know, manage time and money and interest. Or, and it was like this whole thing that was like trying to get them to pick their university courses. And I was like, oh. And she was all stressed about what to do. And I said, oh, you know what? Don't even worry about that shit. I said, just like what, visualize what kind of life do you want to live? What do you want to do? And she was like, well... I want to work with animals. I want to live in the country on five acres. I want to work with my husband, have my kids before I'm 25. I said, fine. That, then you know your answer. You don't have to go pick the course that you're going to take. That's the life you want to do. Just hold that vision. And you know what? It's exactly what she's done. And it's exactly what she's doing now. She knew that at 17. Right. You know? That's- that, that just gets beaten out of us. But, like but the, I kind that, of felt, I, I had to say, like, pardon me, felt like a bit of a bad parent because I wasn't like encouraging her to go to university and like, so, you know, putting the bill and saying, oh yeah, you know, go get like, get this job that's going to give you this great amount of money. But I was trusting what felt true to me, you know. Peer group pressure never stops, right? Even when you're a grown adult. Yeah. You have to conform to the societal norms. And if that means pushing your kid as hard as you physically can and whipping their back to get those good grades, so it's a reflection on you, it's so toxic. Oh, I know. I know. Totally. Yeah. How have you managed to speak 
with your daughter about Bitcoin? Does she see what you see or? Uh, you know, the, I have so few people that I've really talked about this too much with. I have talked to her about a bit a few years ago when I was kind of, I was like, you should check this out. Like, this is really interesting. She's not, she's not really, um, yeah, I think she's just got too much on her plate with small kids and her, her business and her, but, you know, I've sort of like a couple of times I've like, okay, I'm just going to buy you a little Bitcoin and stick it in a wallet and then it'll be yours and you can look at it. Cause I, I do agree to us, like in a way you have to have a tiny bit of skin in the game or like, or get your feet wet. Like, okay. But I do, you know what? I just recently had to update the firmware and my hardware wallet and I made her sit down with me. Because I was a bit nervous to do it. And I was like, oh, am I going to lose all my Bitcoins? Like, how's this going to go? I said, look, you, you got to come and help me with this. Like, um, kind of like that, that other woman that you interviewed, you know, she was like freaked by the tech of it. Um, and so she has sat down with me and like um, helped me. But no, she didn't have any of her own yet. I remember that interview. You're referencing the interview with Angela. Yeah, with Angela. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. The 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 other female boomer um, from from the UK. That uh, it, it's so funny to see this flipped on its head. It's usually the younger guys saying, you know, I'm stacking for my parents. I'm stacking for my uh, my kids. But you guys, you're you're the complete flip opposite. It's like, no, we've seen this. This is so important for our kids. So important for our grandchildren that uh, we're mm -hmm. taking charge of this. And you know that that hardware wallet's just going to get passed down, right? I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Because I'm kind of like, again, because I live very simply, I'm semi-retired. So my income now meets my expenses. You know, I can save a little bit, throw a little bit more into Bitcoin every now and then. But um, yeah, my goal is to pass on something to her for sure. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Whether it's real and, estate or stocks and bonds or Bitcoin or cash, it'll be probably a little of everything, you know, if I can. You never know what happens in life, but yeah. No, exactly. But I'm just imagining uh, like the, the legacy of Bitcoin. Um, this, this will be something, you know, if you fast forward like 20 years and uh, at some point, even 50 years, if that's still in their hands, uh, oh my god it's, I know. it's because I know. of it's because of this it's because of mum that we mm. can live the way that we live and um and feel the way that we feel because it, you know when you interact with bitcoin it's i'd love to get your take on this like the spiritual side that you feel because i was never plugged into that world i was mr skyscrapers oh, and right exchange and like, yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah <laughs> i came yeah. for number go up and uh -huh. it's like to, to have this weird interaction with that and like mindset shift, um, that's, some, that's something very, very new for me. But you were already there. You're already in a spiritual place. So, oh, yeah, big time. So that's why, like, I love listening to somebody like uh, Robert Breedlove. You know, I'm just like, that's just like eating dessert listening to him. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? <laughs> he just. He just put out like a couple of really long, like really long thing with this guy Lex. And then he's got something new with Jeff Booth that he just posted. And I was like, oh, this is great. You know, 
I just listened to the episode with Lex today, and I sent yeah, I, I sent Rob a voicemail because it it was excellent. Oh yeah, yeah. No, he's he is such a deep thinker. My God, I mean, I feel like I you know I've I feel like I've spent my life contemplating things like what is truth, what is freedom, what is consciousness, you know. But this guy has gone so deep, so deep. But you know, the one thing. I, I jotted this quote down um, and I was kind of like looking at how it intersects with Bitcoin. I'll just read you this quote because it's one of my favorite quotes from a yoga, uh, a yoga book. Paradoxically in yoga, the freedom of spiritual integrity occurs in the act of discipline itself, which is ultimately rendered superfluous by the reality its practice discloses. And it's like, whoa, okay. But you know, it made me think about this because, I mean, like just on a simple, su superficial level, you know, Bitcoin does require some discipline, whether it's dollar cost averaging, whether it's holding through uh, major volatility, you know, um, or whether it's learning like the language of it and trying to figure out your wallet or your, you know, um, it's not like it's just all of a sudden free and easy. And these people that have been in it for a long time, you know, that were techie, like, okay, maybe they were exposed to it early because they were techie. But, um, you know, there's been some work involved to get into this space for most people. 100%. It's taken it's not a lot the, of... ra the, the rare guy just goes, oh, what's that? Oh, sounds great. Okay, I'll buy that, you know. Yes, it's, rarely does that happen. But yeah, it does take a lot, a lot of discipline. Um, and it's disciplined me in a sense that I now read as much as I can. Well, um, starting the podcast, that that was another shift in, in discipline because now I've got um, a sense of uh, responsibility, I suppose, uh, you know, if, mm -hmm. if you've decided to start this podcast, you better freaking stick to it. You know, don't just show otherwise, up. Do five otherwise, shows and then disappear. yeah, no, otherwise it won't work. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it's now got to the point where I'm releasing an episode a day and I don't know how long that's going to last, but people keep approaching me and, and want to come on the show. And if, yeah, if I turn people away, then that's kind of a lack in discipline, I would say. If, if my goal is to educate as many people as possible and to share as many stories as I can, mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's very, very interesting how it affects you. Uh, other people have discipline and, you know, shit posting on Twitter every day. Yeah. Which, you know, right. <laughs> creating some kind of a meme or I know. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah. it's all part of it. It's all part of it. And it's all part of this, this huge new, what's it? Stacey Herbert calls it uh, Renaissance 2.0 um, mm -hmm. because it's touching every fringe and thread of society. And I think that's why it's so interesting, you know, because it really is like, there's so many avenues a person could explore with this. And, you know, just the, the whole way in which the government's just kind of slowly siphoning off with the inflation. It's like, and, and I think, you know, in yoga, a lot of 
times we talk about conditioning and how the mind is conditioned and and in some ways in some meditative practices there's you know kind of an inclination to get beyond conditioning to sort of you know seek a more fundamental truth and I think so many people are conditioned to that you know money is just going to lose its value so you've got to invest like you, you have no choice but to invest really and, you know, historically, we look back and we go like, oh, God, yeah, the prices were so cheap, like when my grandparents bought land or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but that's just because the money is getting watered down. Like, and so, yeah, that's sort of a fundamental issue that, I, I mean, I think a lot of people are just not even focused on it, but then it's like, Okay, once you start focusing on that and you see the implications of that, and then you look at, you know, how it's all interrelated. Um, yeah, it, it does feel like there's a, a big shift in a way. When did that inflation bombshell hit you, you think, that, that you realized, oh, my God? <sighs> um, I can't remember if there was a clear moment, but... I think definitely in, in some of the Mike Maloney stuff with the gold, because he has this way of looking. He's like, well, OK, if you take the dollar out of the equation and you just measure um, like the price of a house in oil, maybe oil isn't such a great thing because it's more of a volatile price with a commodity. But just, you know, the hours of a person versus, you know, the price of a house are like comparing different things, but taking the dollar out of the equation. And then you're like, okay, you just see how much it's, you know, it's gotten inflated. It's like, it's nuts, right? Yeah. And we have been conditioned. We've been led to believe that 2% inflation each year mm -hmm. is good as for the though, economy. That's right. As though it's normal. <laughs> and nothing yeah. else is, I, I don't know. Sometimes I just wonder about humans. I'm just kind of like, wow. Like on one level, we're really smart and we do all these cool things and we're flying around the world and we create these things. On another level, we're really stupid and we do some dumb shit. And it's just like, wow, you know? <laughs> we're conscious of some of the choices we're doing that might be in the big scheme of things, not for the benefit of all beings or the planet, and yet we're doing them. And it's tricky. It's hard to know, you know? But we're doing it, right? Like we're inventing plastics, we're inventing combustion engines, we're inventing stuff that's that's in a way potentially wrecking our environment. Um, and then we have this like, yeah, falsified sort of monetary exchange system going on. I don't know, it's kind of overwhelming and complex sometimes. Yeah, it truly is. So through your your yoga and years of practice. Did you ever find, and if I'm getting all the terminology wrong, please, please let me know. But did you ever find nirvana, like that, that, that peaceful <laughs> moment? Well, yeah, I've had many peaceful moments for sure. But um, that, I think that maybe there's a misperception of what that might be, you know, mm -hmm. by people. Um, that is just there all the time in a way, I think, as people's underlying natural state um our, i think our basic nature our basic 
consciousness itself is already inherently free. And so, I mean, that's one way that it's often talked about or looked at. Um, and then it's the content of consciousness. If, you know, from the sort of Patanjali's perspective, yoga is seen as a dualistic um, relationship between consciousness itself and then the content of consciousness, which is often looked at as being thoughts or movements, mental fluctuations in the mind. So then there's this sort of uh, a suggestion towards the possibility of settling down the fluctuations of the mind or the busy monkey mind or the thoughts in order to experience stillness. That's possible, but I think what's maybe more important is to look at our relationship with our thoughts. If we're looking to create some type of ease or um, peace or freedom in our day-to-day experience, because it is our thoughts that will create uh, or our relationship to our thoughts that are going to kind of dictate whether we're suffering or not, whether we're struggling, whether we're at odds with reality as it's showing up or not. There's, this is a, this is a, a, a great point because there's, I put a tweet out earlier, uh, something along the lines of, hey, granddad, what was it like being a Bitcoiner way back in the day when it was still a fiat world? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. a lot of people are struggling with this right now, a lot, because in, in the sense of Bitcoiners and people listening to this show, I'm sure feel the same. In fact, I know they do because it's talked about so much. You're, you're kind of like walking around, looking around yourself. You see, it's like living in the matrix. It's like you've, you know, like Neo has been, you know, kind of unplugged from the system and you see it for what it is. But it's so overwhelming at the same time because, first of all, when when you come to that realization, the first thing you want to do is wake up as many people as you can because you want to help them and you want them to see what you've seen and understand what you understand. Um, you can't hear me anymore. Can you hear me now? Yep. I've got you okay. back. I've got Let's you hope back. for the best. Okay. Just yeah. recap your last um, um, thing there. You're saying, yeah. you know, unplug cruising around in the fiat world and looking at things. Yes. And, uh, but, but seeing them for, for what they are now, so, you know, understanding the monetary system is, is working against you and understanding, you know, how the fiat system is now has been constructed. And, and as Robert Breedlove would, would attest, you know, being enslaved in that system, you know, his, mm-hmm. his, his um, Masters of Slaves and Money piece does a great job of exposing that. And he's talked about it on le- at length and even on this show. Um, what, what would be some, some tools or tricks that you might have up your sleeve that could help people put their minds at rest? Because I'm sure people are going to sleep angry every night at the system. How yeah. can we yeah. calm some Bitcoiners <laughs> down and help them get a, a, good, a good night's sleep? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And I think when we're operating, I mean, one of the one of the things somebody said to me once is, um, you know, that he, he was teaching, he was a yoga guy, and he said, okay, what's the most difficult yoga posture there is? You know, and you're kind of thinking, like, if you've done asana, like postures, you know, you're thinking, oh, maybe like handstand in the middle of the room with full lotus, or like, you know, headstand balancing on, you know, and you're, 
And you're like, okay, no, no, no. He's not talking about that. But, but your mind goes to that. And then he goes, it's the posture of non-offense, non-defense. That's the most difficult posture. So it's like, as you walk around and operate in the world, we often are caught in that either I'm for or against something. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't have opinions and positions on things. I think we do and we can and we, you know, that's totally reasonable. But I think if you're operating from a place of like, I'm, I'm against this and you're coming from a place of like negativity and aversion, you're going to be the one experiencing those feelings. So it's like, okay, if this is the way it is, then what can I do? What can I stand for? What can I value? What can I choose to do? So, you know, like you've created the podcast, um, you know, Jack Mahler's is creating his strike lightning thing. Like, you know, the other guy you were talking about creating the fast Bitcoins, like, so you either do something positive and take a stand to create the new reality you want to you know, because we are part of life, we are like reality is emerging within us and from us. So you, you take your action. Um, and, and I mean, if people are really feeling negative and, and pissed off and cheesed, I mean, that, that can be a useful emotion to spur on action as well. It's not like all emotions are bad, but you know, if, if the emotion is getting so strong that it's like getting you down and you're overwhelmed by it, then yeah, it's like, what do you need to do to create some space in your life? You know, whether it's like turning off your Twitter account and walking away for a bit or going out into nature and hanging out or doing something fun and constructive. Um, that's helpful to you? I don't know. Maybe I'm not really giving any good answers. <laughs> no, I think you, I think you are. It's, um, it, it, it's, it's great. Are, are there any like classic breathing exercises that you, you would do? Oh yeah, I do. Well? I, every day I meditate, I do movement and I do breathing. And so one of the classic, I mean, a classic breathing exercise would just be to breathe through your nose and slow the breath down because then you're going to slow down your get into the parasympathetic nervous system, create the relaxation response, or just a simple alternate nostril breathing, or lying on one side, blocking one nostril, your look, if you lie on your right side, you know, block the, the right nostril and just breathe through the left nostrils, you know, calm down, turn over to the other side, do that on that side. So yeah, prana and chitta they often talk about in yoga like energy and consciousness so pranayama the breathing practices are the way to affect what we could think of as our energy body you know yoga sees that we have a physical body an energetic body a mental body an emotional body and sort of the they talk about the ananda maya kosha, a layer of bliss or consciousness. So there's different ways we can plug in and kind of, you know, to use a contemporary word, people talk about hacking their lives, you know, like, yeah, you affect your physical body, you affect your mind, you affect your energetic body, you affect your consciousness. There's so many, so many ways and things that people can do to 
to live a life where they feel healthier, more grounded, more connected, um, and happy in their own being, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I, I wonder if your, your microphone might just be tapping on your, your zip there. I'm sorry. So, Pull no, it that's out. That's okay. okay. Uh, it's just uh, some weird clicking. Um, yeah, it could have been. I, it, it seems so aligned. Like sound money seems so aligned with, with your world. It does. And I think that's probably why I'm kind of resonating with it because I'm so not techie. And, but now I'm kind of like, I feel like, okay, we're early to the party. Like I wanted to, like when I first started studying Bitcoin, it was like, I saw these videos and it looked like people would just go up with their phone, click on a thing and like buy their coffee or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, we're not there, right? Like now it looks like, okay, we have to be patient. We've gone through our, what is it? Proof of concept stage. Now we're in a, a store of value. And then the more and more people, you know, that get going on this network, the more functional it will be, the more, you know, ramps and, and uses and um, ways of sending easily Bitcoin um, happen then the more people can be using it and functioning with it. But it's a kind of a funny thing because right now with the whole store of value, it's like, well, everybody wants to buy it, but then they don't want to sell it because they think the number's going to go up more. So it's like, it, it's dysfunctional right now on one level. Um, but everybody kind of likes the idea of utilizing it and it being functional. So we're kind of excited for, like when I heard your thing on Bitcoin Beach, I was just like, oh my God. I just want to go there because I actually live on the beach, right? And I, I spend a lot of time going to beaches and I speak Spanish too. And I was like, oh man, that's, that's awesome. Like that's one of my goals to get like a lightning wallet happening, <laughs> go to Bitcoin beach and have a holiday, you know? Um, Cause I feel like I, I'm missing that part of it. Like I would like to, I mean, I know that you're the podcaster and you ask the questions, but like, I got so many questions. I feel like I would love to, know more about like are you using lightning are you functioning on that yeah sure sure. Uh, ask some questions so lightning has just come into my uh uh use and uh there's a bunch of guys that i i thank for that um wizard oz i know you're listening he's he's been very very key in in helping me understand it because now i see that the next the next cycle of this and especially for my kids as well, they might not even say Bitcoin. They might just say lightning. You know, it's going to be that. That's what it's going to become because if we're using the lightning network for your everyday purchases, you might might not even say sets. It might literally just become lightning. I want to pay by lightning. Or, you know, just send me me some lightning. Or, you know... That there might be some kind of vernacular, you know, or light me up if you if you're creating a receipt or something, you know, mm-hmm, how can I light mm-hmm. you up? It, it, it's going to move this way, and I can see it. And then listening to Paul on um, uh, Marty's show talking about Sphinx Chat and how we can use Lightning to privately message each other and just right. That's the app that uh, Preston used to send something over. I think he was kind of excited about that. Right. Yeah, that's Sphinx so, chat. Yeah. Oh. So, and, and as a podcaster, now 
I'll be moving, uh, I'll be building a tribe on Sphinx Chat. And anybody that wants to support the show can listen to the show through the Sphinx tribe and throw over 100 sats if they particularly like that interview. And, you know, Mm -hmm. we're talking about, but that's a completely private transaction and that is uh, showing support to the, the content creator. And this will happen for articles and this will happen for YouTube videos. It's an inevitable progression of uh, of the Bitcoin space. I've now got um, the kids set up on um, Wallet of Satoshi so they can create receipts if they do some chores around the house. I've told them, you know, you can start earning some sats. Uh, A listener sent um, Lauren some sats as well, just to just to like give her a big smile and and Caitlin, um, you know, they woke up one morning, they've got a thousand sats in a Wallet of Satoshi like holy shit, like, this is real. Uh, and they come from the other side of the world. So it's... Um, oh, there. Okay, you're back. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's it's for sure. Uh, you know, lightning, it, 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 that's the death of Bitcoin Cash. You know, that mm-hmm, forget absolutely. Bitcoin Cash now. Yeah, no, totally. I, I see that completely because that was his whole issue, right? So, okay, so can I ask you a couple more questions? Because sure. I'm, I'm feeling this is going to be of service to people listening. Maybe. I mean, uh, so, okay, so are you just taking the Bitcoin that you already have in your other wallet that wasn't on the Lightning Network and sending it to a new wallet that's on Lightning? That's basically what you have. To, is, is that how it works? The wallet is basically on a certain network? Do you know what I mean? Not really, no. What do you... Okay, so... um, So if you have Bitcoin held in a a certain wallet, okay, like a, Mm -hmm. I don't know, a bread wallet or something like that, and you want to be sending it through the Lightning Network... Mm -hmm. All right, yes. So, yeah, a Lightning wallet is different. Right, so you need a Lightning wallet... Yes. To, right. So how so, so you open a lightning wallet that's on the lightning network. Yeah, and you then could you use send you, some Bitcoin to that or you buy Bitcoin through maybe like fast Bitcoins or something. Right. And goes directly into that. Yeah. So if um, it, for example, that the the one people like a lot is uh, either Blue Wallet or Wallet of Satoshi and Wallet okay. of Satoshi um, even just has a green button at the top there that says buy Bitcoin. And I think that would go through MoonPay, if I remember rightly. Um, and it would just link to, yeah, it would, it would go through MoonPay. And you just make a, you could load it with $100 from your ATM or credit card or whatever it is. Um, obviously, you'll pay right. a lit, that, that's non-KYC. I know people that are listening. But if you just, just try and, or you could create a risk, open and start a, um, uh, uh, create a, a wallet on Blue Wallet or Wallet of Satoshi. Yeah. And create an invoice, and then from your hardware wallet, just send the, um, the some Sats across to, okay. to that. Okay, great. That's my next. That's my next job. Perfect. Okay, I'm going to try and do that. Yeah. Any other questions you want to throw at me? And I, you know, it's uh... um because if not, I've got. I've got the ultimate you got question questions. for you. I know. Okay. okay. <laughs> the ultimate question. If you had one um, orange pill left to give, who would you give right, it to and why? Right. 
Yeah. I think that um, more important than who is how, but I'll answer the who. I would probably want to give it to the next prime minister of my country because I do like my country and I do like where I live and I have my nice little citadel here and I don't want to move somewhere else. Um, but I think, you know, when you talk to people about it, I mean, it's fine if you could just give them a pill and they pop the pill and they just get it. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? But it doesn't work that way. It's like you got to start explaining stuff and then you get back into that posture of offense, defense. And sometimes people are like resistant. They don't get it. They don't want to hear about it. And then you're kind of like, Oh, but, you know, so keen. So it's kind of, um, I think you got to figure out who they are, how they learn, and how you can most serve them. Um, and then, so, yeah, the people that are like super money oriented, you know, you get them to listen to Greg Foss or Preston Pish, you, people that are humanitarian, libertarian, concerned for the well-being of all the people, well, maybe they plug into Andreas, you know, somebody that's really like, the deep, deep thinker, well, you get them to listen to Robert Breedlove, you know, just general people that are sort of interested in, you know, a variety of things, you know, they listen to your podcast, because it's like, you're just wide open talking to all different kinds of people about different things. Yeah, so I think, it's... yeah, again, it comes back to education. It's like, it, it depends on who's, who's taken the pill, how they take the pill. Does that make sense? It, it does. And I try, you know, I've been having a conversation with uh, a guest that he's trying to, he's a boomer in the UK and he's trying to, um, he's desperate to, to his community and his friends and family to, to help them see. And we're, we're trying to handpick podcast episodes that, that he can send to them that, that can resonate. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, there was, I remember, I think it was Bitcoin Tina put up something where it was like a boomer. And I was thinking, oh, I should listen to that. You know, I'm, a, I'm that age group. I'll be in there with a bunch of people struggling with the technology. Um, I didn't end up listening to it. But I, again, I haven't like gotten into Clubhouse and all that. I was just like, okay, there's only so much time I want to spend on the internet because I got like kayaking and swimming and beach hanging to do here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But you know all the guys. You, you, you've just thrown out oh, all yeah, of no, these names. I, yeah, you're, you're lurking. I'm lurking big time. I've been checking it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I even, I even, I was thinking about, okay, should I, should I go on Twitter? Should I open a Twitter account? And I was like, oh, maybe I should before you know we chat, so that maybe if somebody hears this and they want to talk off grid, they could contact me. So I still might do it. I still might open one. So if I do, I'll. I'll send you a message so you can refer to me as Leslie at whatever chop wood stack yeah. sats or whatever address I can find. <laughs> that would be amazing. Please do it. Please do yeah. it. No, because... I, I think I will. I'll put my big toe in, but I was, so... it's just kind of an intimidating world, you know? And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to get yelled at by some guy telling me to have fucking fun staying poor. I'm like, you know, I'm just doing my thing here. <laughs> so it's it's okay to I plebs. Might be poor, I might be poor, but I got a rich lifestyle. It's it. No, no plebs get told to have fun staying poor. It, <laughs> the, the, the plebs, especially especially um, newbie plebs that come in 
um, open-minded and curious and looking to learn. It, it's it's generally the blue check marks that get told to, and that the fiat billionaires um, that okay. uh, have refused to do the work. To your point earlier, have refused to do the work. Right? That there's a lot of those mm-hmm. guys out there that are still trying to bash this, um, even though they're experts, quote unquote. This thing's been around for twelve years and they still don't see it. It's like, well, then you're an expert at what? Right? <laughs> you know. I know it's interesting. I've, I was talking to my financial advisor about it and I was like, I've studied this. I'm like, re-, and he's like, okay, well, you know way more about this than I do, you know? And even now that seeing that maybe Ray Dalio is just like kind of warming up, you know, it's like, okay. I, I was kind of disappointed. He didn't at least reply to Robert's open letter. I mean, that was such a well-crafted thoughtful letter speaking Ray's language perfectly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he went on Pomp's show and they, they they dissected it. They went through it. You know, it's out there. Um, people at Bridgewater, they'll be listening to these podcasts, uh, especially oh, Pomp's. Yeah. 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 And uh, so it must have got to his ears or if not brought to his attention. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's a weird one. It really is. And I, mm-hmm. I did a show with Chrysos about this. Uh, if you look back through, because he, he wrote a, a uh, an article about um, like uh, the yuppie elite and, and how they're missing this or, or why they're missing this. Uh, yeah. So if you've not caught that episode, it's worth, you know, circling back to that one. Okay, cool. But uh, Leslie, great. this has been, this has been great fun. And thank you for stepping up and representing. And I, I look forward oh. to receiving your follow on Twitter. I don't okay. want any email. I'll try. And, and no emails. I want you oh, to create. I have to do a, it on a, Twitter itself. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Yeah. And then follow me and I will know who you are um, when okay. you DM me and say, hey, it's me. You can go on completely anonymous if you want. You don't have to use I know, Leslie. I, li- I like yeah. that. No, I think I will. I like that. Anonymous. Yeah. Okay. Love it. All and right. the plebs, the plebs that listen to this and are inspired by your story, they'll come and find you. The, you know, you you'll go. be able to build uh, your, your little network. Cool. Well, I just thought it was fun to reach out and I, uh, you know, I, I got out of my comfort zone. <laughs> you certainly did. And into your neighbor's house. I hope she's been listening. Maybe you've been. Uh... <laughs> no, she's not here right now. Damn it. <laughs> But you know what? The funny thing is, she's a financial advisor and she's just retiring. And the other day I was like, have you studied Bitcoin? <laughs> oh, my goodness. She's going to have to listen back to this now. So, um, yeah, I can just tell her, listen to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Leslie's neighbor, I hope you've listened to this and you are now Bitcoin curious. That's right. Yeah. Just be curious. Be open, if anything. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Leslie. Thanks for coming on. It's great to meet you. You too. Hey, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode with Leslie, who did step up and take the challenge and has joined the world of Twitter. As you will see in the title of this episode, her Twitter handle is Satya, S-A-T-Y-A, Paradox. At time of release, she has 13 followers She's looking for Bitcoin friends, friends. So please go and reach out. Please say hi and connect with her. If there's anything in this conversation that has pricked your ears for whatever reason, or you might be in her vicinity over there in Canada, 
we have a lady here down the rabbit hole looking to share some ideas and uh, you know a huge amount of joy and love as well so Leslie thank you so much for reaching out like you said uh, you, you stepped up you got out your comfort zone you sent that email and we had this conversation I really enjoyed it and I hope the listeners have too uh, before I sign off I would just like to thank all of you listeners that have supported the show well over 150 episodes now beyond 300,000 downloads I hit 10k followers the other day this is all pretty crazy um, it shows that you are appreciating the, the project and you are getting some value out of it so thank you very much uh, you can go head out the um, checkout head over to the website at uh, once-bitten.com you'll find my book there and you'll find the show sponsors you know who they are now coinfloor.co.uk swanbitcoin.com shiftcrypto.ch and relay.ch all forward slash bitten